irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tai here. Welcome to all of you streaming audio and on Facebook Live. I am in studio with my guest, Aura Nadrich, Hi there. who is going to be coming on with this in a few minutes. Today's a very special show for me. It's my four-year anniversary on LA Talk Radio, and I'm just delighted, Aura, to have you with me on this occasion I've grown so much in my four years, and uh, when I tell you more about Aura, she's a mindfulness meditation teacher and expert, and my inner journey has definitely been birthed forth, sourcing from within me out into the world as a result of this work that I've been doing here at LA Talk Radio on all things therapy, and I want to thank you as my listener and my subscriber for tuning in to my episodes, for the emails that I've received. I really appreciate your support, and I ask that you continue to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review it on iTunes. That helps me so much with my rankings. Additionally, I am available to be your healing practitioner. I do therapy sessions remotely via phone, Skype, and FaceTime, as well as in person at my Los Angeles and New Orleans-based offices. And I've rolled out some exciting new things. I just uh, disseminated an online course through udemy.com. And this is a course that has to do with empowering yourself, IN, empowerment, sourcing from within and bringing forth what is within you out into the world versus looking for external <clears throat> validations and such, really empowering from within yourself. And I, I outlined 20 specific spiritual techniques and practices. One is yours, Aura, having to do from your Says Who book, rela- releasing fear-based thoughts and replacing them. Mm-hmm. So I share my mentors, their their literature, where you can find these things, where you can buy these things. So it's the tools that I've used in my personal life that I have launched in this course. So please check that out. My website is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I also have a book coming out this year having to do with healing our core wounding through empathy and self-forgiveness. And it's available for pre-sale, again, through my website at nolatherapy.com. Okay, now here's the best part of the show. I get to introduce you. So Aura Nadrich is a certified life coach. You are a mindfulness meditation teacher. You lead retreats around the world in places like Rhythmia in Costa Rica at 1440 Multiversity in Northern California. I know you have a retreat coming up the weekend of March 27th to 29th with Dr. Ronald Alexander. You teach mindfulness in the workplace, live workshops and seminars, or as also a blogger for the Huffington Post. You are the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking of which I'm a certified thought coach from, and I really love your system and implement it in my own life. I'll share a story today where I had to to do the release and replace technique. I also coach my clients based on Aura's principles from her first book, Says Who? How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever. Aura 
additionally has a second book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. It has been named one of the 100 best mindfulness books of all times by Book Authority. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. And you have a third book on the way. And Aura's work has been featured in and on ABC News, NBC News, Fast Company, which I love. It's my favorite magazine. Women's Health, ZipRecruiter, Reader's Digest, Success, Mind, Body, Green, and others. And you can find all of Aura's offerings, her guided meditations, blog posts, trainings. Aura offers an online thought coach certification as well, just ongoingly. And all of that is at auranadrich.com. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me again on your anniversary. You're welcome. I know this is the, I think, third time. It is. And first time in person. I'm so That's happy right. you're here. What Thank took you. us so long? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Aura. My pleasure. This is fun. This is so fun. So I wanted to talk to you. I really love both of your books. And li- you. You're welcome. And Live True, talking about mindfulness, what is mindfulness, the role of authenticity in mindfulness, and just where would you like to start us off in general even? Well, you know, starting off with mindfulness, you know, why mindfulness? It's a subject that I seem to keep returning to again and again. Even with my third book, I have continued the conversation. And actually, I feel like I've taken it to a whole other level, if you will. Excuse me. Mindfulness is the practice of being present. So you take a practice that is pretty much 2,500 years old, not just rooted in Buddhism. You know, I think that the research that I've done around it is that it the tenets of mindfulness, the practice of being present, aware, thoughtful, mm-hmm. goes back to the beginning of time, you know, when we became civilized human beings, you know, and the story connected to Buddha. Well, I think of someone like Buddha who became an enlightened being. How do you even become more self-aware is that you have to really become an aware human being. That means being aware of our thoughts, our actions, our deeds. So I like to really let that be the starting point because mindfulness is something that, yes, it's it's in the mainstream today and it's become part of the zeitgeist, if you will. And it was on the cover of Time and Newsweek. But I find myself as a mindfulness author, teacher, practitioner, that people still don't fully know what it is. So you take this inherent quality that each and every one of us has, the ability to be aware. But my ability to be aware is different than your, meaning, I don't mean the ability, I mean the way in which you use your awareness might be different than the way I use my awareness. You know, I love to take what we're doing in present time, we're having this conversation, and that is a perfect example of that we're here, we're together, we're present. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be anywhere else other than doing this with you. And so we get these understandings of what it means to be present. And then, of course, you have how many other hours in the day where we're busy doing. So I could talk on and on about mindfulness because I feel that it is so essential, especially today when we're living in a very challenging time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of chaos going on, as we know. There's a lot of distraction. Distraction, chaos. And so I feel that mindfulness is the perfect antidote for working with heightening our awareness, which invariably will raise our consciousness and will become more aware human beings on the planet. 
you know, since attending, you've been offering mindfulness salons at Soho House Monthly, and I've been able to attend a few of those. And as a result, I haven't shared this with you yet, but when I've been home in New Orleans, I my awareness is is heightened around when I'm not mindful, and I catch myself so often driving or even walking through my house, and it's like, where am I? And And it's become more and more and more aware to me how like not mindful <laughs> that that I'm being as much as I I desire to be so I've learned to just kind of pause my thoughts and be like what is where are you trying to be kind of like you just said mm-hmm. where am I wanting to be besides mm-hmm. this moment mm-hmm. and asking myself why is that like am I why am I struggling to be in this moment and just kind of going through a series of self-talk questions I wonder for you if that's been a process that you Absolutely. And I and I love the way you describe that, because what that tells me is that you're already heightening, excuse me, heightening your awareness, because you're having an awareness that you're being not as aware as you could be. Yeah. And that's really what it is. You keep heightening your awareness. Excuse me. Yeah, please. So that's what we want to do. We want to start to practice heightening our awareness. And for me, I think because I spent so much time in the area of mindfulness that I like you and we all are really similar more than we are different yes. in that we are distractible. We um, are not as in the present moment as we usually can be. And, you know, studies have shown that our mind wanders almost 50 percent of the time. Wow. Okay. So, OK, so yeah. what that tells us is that. We are not in the present as much as we can be. We're mm-hmm. distracted. We have more distractions today than ever before. Yes. And so we have to work on being more mindful. Mm-hmm. And that's what mindfulness is. That's there for us. It's saying, hey, look, this is a quality. This is an ability that you have, but you have to really develop it. It's yeah. like a muscle. Yes, it is. And the more you develop it, the more aware you become. Well, even in your monthly salons, the one you did around tea, mindfulness tea drinking, which for the first few moments, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just want to open the tea and put it in the water. <laughs> right. But when, you know, I'm like, I'm going to listen. You're the teacher. Let me just go with Aura down this path. And it was really so interesting because I've tr- taken that into various when I eat, especially when I've tended to just, you know, eat food mindlessly to really stop. And I think about that tea exercise where it did make the tea so much more aromatic and enjoyable, and I felt like I had more of an experience with my tea than right. ever before. And really, what that is is that's in concentrated uh, exercise and how to be present. That's a concentrated exercise, and you're taking an activity like tea drinking. Yeah. We don't do that. You know, when I said, open the paper yes. very slowly, you know, there was one girl that quickly put her tea. <laughs> her tea and like, you can easily see how we all were as students in school by, by your audience, like right. putting the tea in there. Like, yeah. It was really cute. Yeah. So, so we don't really do that. We took the time. I said, you made yeah. a date with yourself. Mm-hmm. We come to the Mindfulness Club because we're really making a date to be mindful with that hour. And for that hour, I plugged mindfulness into tea, Mm -hmm. the art of tea drinking. Well, you know, we're so busy running into Starbucks and running into these coffee and tea places. And we hurry and we order our tea and coffee. And then we jump back in our car or we get our Uber. And so we're not really slowing it down where we're drinking our tea. And speaking of Huffington Post, one of my most popular articles for them was um, uh, how you're 
your morning cup of tea or coffee can be your meditation. That's awesome. And that's one of the first articles that I wrote about how don't hurry and rush through everything, like drinking your morning cup of coffee or tea. And, you know, many people out there might go, I don't have time to do that. You know, we think of a myriad of excuses as to why we can't slow down. Mm -hmm. So that's why I encourage you to take time in your day, even if it's for 10 minutes, just to pause. So it makes a difference. And it can apply to everything we're doing. Drinking our tea, our coffee. Walking. I know you love to go to the self-realization center, which I do too. You're not going to rush through that place. So you take yourself to an environment that is really asking you to be present. It's a beautiful, the self-realization center is beautiful. You look at a place like that, that you are taking yourself to so you're already aware of that you're going somewhere where you're not going to rush you're going there so that you can really take in the experience and be present with it right yes but then you leave the place and look how how easily we could get distracted again and fall back into those old habits and practices that's right speaking of that one of the things i I jotted down to ask you since i I have you here with me today is how to cope with and for our listeners when we are mindful practitioners really working to be more mindful in our daily lives wanting to be more authentic speaking our truth yet we're living with and surrounded by people who are not mindful or authentic like how to cope with with that kind of resonance or resistance what are some it's a good question because we are we're out in life and we're encountering all sorts of people and it can even be people that we know it can be strangers having the awareness would be that you find yourself in a situation where you could be interacting with somebody and maybe they're not as conscious as you're being in the moment and so having the awareness that it might trigger you that it might make you feel irritated or annoyed Mm -hmm. or maybe even be rude so mindfulness helps us become less reactive and more aware of i'm engaging with this person and they're they're not being very present they're actually not really there or i I like to say i don't even like they're there anymore i call it here here oh i like that do you know when they're not here here (laughs) you know there's that saying they're not there they're they weren't there there i'm like no no they weren't here here okay do you know so it's having an awareness of i'm i'm talking to this person and i'm aware again there goes that awareness that mindful awareness of what you're dealing with in the moment okay so that we don't allow for it to trigger us and even if we are triggered, to have an awareness that we are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to take a couple of breaths. Sometimes you need to have the awareness where you can bring your focus and attention to, well, I'm really triggered right now, and I don't really want to escalate this with this person. Yeah. So let me take the higher road okay. and start to, which I think we all need more of, is civil discourse. Like, how are we talking to each other? Yeah. Is it respectful? Is it mindful? Is it kind? Is it compassionate? So it's challenging, Lisa, because we're, you know, there's that great Buddhist saying, be in the world, but not of it. Yes, I've been thinking of that a lot often, and how and, to really do that. And o- more often than not, we're we're in it, but and we're more of it yeah. than just being the observer. Yeah. So these are challenges, you know, this isn't something that just is going to happen overnight. I find this to be a daily practice. Mindfulness is a daily practice. Do you know? And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more you do it, you become more mindful. And the more mindful you become, the more aware you become. So you keep evolving from there. It's a practice. And the muscle gets stronger. It really is. And I also like to mention that, you know, people ask me, oh, is mindfulness and meditation the same thing? 
my meditation, mindful meditation, yes, is on a pillow or a yoga mat, but you need to carry that practice out into the world mm-hmm. in all the moments of your life. Talk to us about the role of authenticity. Authenticity, and the reason why I combined mindfulness and authenticity and live true is that I wanted to really unite those two because when we're present, we may be present, but we might not be really true to who we are in a moment. And we can fall into the trap of that. Okay, yes. So we can say, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm in this moment. But another question to ask ourselves when we are in a moment is, am I being true to who I am in this moment? Do you know, you can show up in many moments of life and be inauthentic or be someone that you're not to please somebody else. Mm-hmm. So authenticity is really important because especially I feel today when we're up against things like fake news, the word fake seems to be ubiquitous. Yes. We have to be authentic. We have to know what our own level of authenticity is. We, you know, there's that great Shakespearean to thine own self be true line. And I really subscribe to that. It's like, Practice being true to who you are. And the reason why it's hard for a lot of people is because they project that outside of themselves, thinking that there is an expectation that they have to be something for someone else. I have to be this person for my friend. I have to be this person for my family member. I have to be this person for my lover. And what ends up happening is that one day you wake up and you feel really off. Yeah. Because you were being inauthentic to yourself. So I I really value authenticity. I think it's something, again, just like mindful, the awareness of am I being true to who I am? And then practicing being authentic, taking risks to share who you are and what you really think and feel. Absolutely. Do you know? And taking those risks, you might find that other people feel like you do. Yeah. Do you know they're afraid to be authentic? And all it takes, and there's the great quote that the man that mentored me as a screenwriter, he said a quote, I don't I don't know if it was Walt Whitman. It one man with courage makes a majority. Wow. It's like you step forward and be authentic. If you step forward and be authentic, then you're gonna encourage me to be authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have to stop pretending that we're people that we're not. Yeah. Do you know? Yes. We suffer greatly yes. when we live the inauthentic self. There's a portion of your book that I'd like to read to our listeners having to do with this topic and then to share an experience I had with this last night that made it more real. Great. And then waking up with with an awareness. So in Aura's book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, you talk about, these are your words, I know it's easy to want to hide or conceal certain aspects of ourselves we may not love, but once we start to hide our realness and who we really are, It can slip away from us to the point that we are living dishonestly to our true nature. And why would we want to do that? Fear, insecurity, doubt. And so when I read this line, we want to hide or conceal certain aspects of ourselves we may not love. It made me think of the shadow, our shadow. And I've even struggled as a psychotherapist. What is our shadow? Like, do I have to go read Carl Jung books to understand (sighs) I think you coined it here, the parts of ourselves, the aspects of ourselves we don't love. Right. Would you say that that's an accurate? It it is, and it is the basis of the shadow, and I'm very steeped in Jungian uh, work, and Carl Jung was a great guide for me on my journey of of self-realization. Yes, 
we can hide or bury parts of ourselves that we don't like or love. Mm-hmm. And what happens is if, if we don't tend to those aspects of ourselves, it's very easy to project them onto other people. And Carl Jung used the projection of the shadow onto others. And that's really what breeds hatred and racism and prejudice. You know, you're not really owning the parts of yourself that I say, own your thoughts, not just the pretty ones. Do you know, we have to own where we are maybe jealous or we're resentful or we're angry or own the parts of ourselves. You know, if you want to get into characteristics or attributes or physical aspects of ourselves that we are tearing ourselves apart because we don't love those parts of ourselves and it makes for an unhappy person it does and i think that's where the role of self-forgive empathy and self-forgiveness really comes in is where you talk about can we conceal aspects of ourselves we may not love and when i read this it really like came alive for me the other night and i thought about things clients i've worked with who've uh had abortions uh, having an STD, you know, things that we have experienced or live with that we feel shame right. around. And it really came, like was highlighted in this quote. And those are the parts of us we really need to love the most and even have a conversation with. Absolutely. And the forgiveness with self, you know, to look mm-hmm. at the areas of ourselves where we're really hard on ourselves and we've been really undermining or for some people, their their inner critic is is brutal. Yeah. It's harsh. Yeah. Do you know? So we're, again, bringing mindfulness into this area, which is needed the most, is having an awareness of when you're just about to throw yourself under the bus. Mm. Do you know? Like, wow, I just called myself an idiot. Or I said, oh, you know, I'm never going to find my soulmate. Or I'm never going to get that great job. Or great things only happen for other people. You know, the things that we say to ourselves that we don't even stop and go, wait, 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 time out, you know, hold on. Why am I so quick to just, you know, throw myself, myself, judge myself harshly, you know, badger myself, sabotage myself, tell me that I'm less than, yeah. you know, that I'm not enough. You know, I, I love to bring that into meditations. And I've done that at the mindfulness club in that find your enough, find your place where you can really be comfortable with like, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. I really am. This is my enough. And I'm good with that. Yeah. Do you know? And again, this takes practice. It's daily practice. You know, this is a life journey that we're on. It is. And so the, today, driving here, I mean, this literally just happened within the hour. I, I woke up this morning, had my coffee, meditated with the cats like I usually do. And and I noticed I didn't feel quite as, as good as I usually do. And I was kind of struggling, like, what's going on? And I'm driving here, and my thought is like, what the hell is wrong with you? And and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, come on now. Like, there's nothing, you know, like, <laughs> catching that thought. Like, how judgmental? Telling my, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of took a moment. I stopped, like, driving. I, I could kind of pull over. And I was like, what's coming up? What is going mm-hmm. on? And and it sud- it quickly came up talking about this, the parts, aspects of ourselves we may not love. Right. Last night I was at a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And at one point during the party, one of the hosts who's in the in the film business here in L.A., we were talking about where we've lived. And she mentioned having lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is kind of an odd place when you're in that industry. And I was like, why were you in Baton Rouge? And she spoke about a particular film that she was on 
pertaining to a serial killer. Mm. And I was the therapist to that serial killer in 2005. And it's not a part of my life I talk about often. Mm. And it was right after Hurricane Katrina, Mm -hmm. where we were all evacuated suddenly without any, you know, knowledge that we'd be gone for two months from New Orleans because the city was closed. And I had lost all my clients and wasn't working and uh, saw an ad in the paper to work at Angola Prison, a mm-hmm. maximum security prison, mm. which interestingly enough, in my 20s in social work school, I was so compelled. I wanted to be a therapist at a maximum security prison. I thought it'd be so cool to mm. be in like the the trenches mm-hmm. of, you know, people that do these kind of things and what are they thinking? And I forgot about that desire. Mm. Well, the universe brought that <laughs> yeah. back to me. That's right. Yeah. And so here I am. It turns out the head of the mental health department at the prison had been my professor at Tulane. I got hired on the spot to show up and I spent one year working in that facility. I worked on death row. I worked the minimum sentence there is 20 years. So these are inmates there 20 years to life. So it is like a last stop. I worked Mm. in the geriatric unit, which is very sad. Men that had been there for 50 years Mm. and they're about to die and being turned out to the streets with no one. Mm. And so it was just such an intense year. Yet last night with this young woman talking about working with the serial killer and my encounter with him was very traumatic. Mm -hmm. He tried to physically assault me and I had to scream for like the guard, like to open the gates. and, And it was like. I didn't work on death row again. I realized that is not for me. I am not made for that kind of work. And I left. My boss let me go early that day. And I started off by being healthy. I went to my gym in Baton Rouge where I had become a fitness instructor, took a spin class. So I thought, let me be healthy to channel this fear and like Mm. overwhelmingness Mm -hmm. of I am in over my head with Mm -hmm. this population. And um, a man was in the class and a friend from New Orleans I haven't seen. He took me afterwards to dinner. We start drinking all this wine. We're listening to a radio program about New Orleans and Katrina and my zip code opened up so I could finally go home after two months. And I made the very unwise decision to drive my car and I got a DUI. So I told the story last night, just like, Mm. wow, Derek Tidley, it was just that day. Like, it was Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I haven't thought about this. Mm -hmm. And like kind of a, and I I put out there, I got a DUI and the whole room kind of got quiet. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly felt like, like I shouldn't have said that. And I realized I woke up today with that like vulnerable disclosure of a time in my life that I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know how to cope well. Mm -hmm. I started well by going to the gym, but then I drank and drove Mm -hmm. and got a DUI. And I ended up saying, I said, y'all, I did, you know, I pled... I did everything I needed to do. Mm-hmm. It's expunged. Like there's my licensing board. You know, everything's clean. Mm-hmm. But I felt suddenly so ashamed right. of revealing that part of my right. life. Right. And though no one, I I don't think anybody was being judgmental. It was my own inner critic. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, that's a great story to share. I didn't know that about you, that yeah. you, you, were, you worked on death row yeah. at some point in your life. So, wow. You know, that was quite a brave thing to do. So that... I think needs to be acknowledged you. that you did something quite brave. Yeah. You know, you're talking about something out of your past, which is interesting. And you shared something out of your past in the present. Yes. Do you know? So there you were sharing something about your past in the present. And then what you ended up doing is feeling the shame of having shared something that happened and didn't happen now. Your right. share is what happened. Yes. You know, you shared a story from the past. So where mindfulness can be plugged into that yeah. is, and where the release and replace thing happens, the technique that I have, is that the inner dialogue comes to be, you know, wow, I'm feeling 
I'm feeling some residual from what I shared yesterday. I'm feeling some shame. Where is that shame coming from? Is that shame coming from that I fear that people judged me for me sharing a story of something that happened to me in the past? Am I still carrying some of that shame over from the past into the present? And I think a great way to approach it from a mindful awareness, supportive way is that happened then. That's Mm -hmm. part of my past. That's not who Lisa is today. Who Lisa is today is not that person, not that who that person was, was anything wrong with you, do you know, but where we find ourselves in this schism is that we allow for ourselves to be caught between a rock and a hard spot. Mm -hmm. And where acceptance, you know, mindfulness, the, 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 the definition of mindfulness, mindfulness is being in the present moment with total awareness, acceptance, non judgment, and then what I like to call the cherry on top, self love. Yes. Do you know? So a great way I think to give yourself the support on that and to be aware of the thought that was about to go down, you know, spiral down. That's where mindfulness becomes extremely helpful and beneficial to us is that we catch it. Wow, I'm just about to go into shame and and I'm I'm a allowing myself to identify with that. Yeah. I'm allowing myself to be present with it in a way that's undermining. Exactly. And it revealed to me my need, which I did. I was, you know, again, pulled over and I, I was able to ask, was it really the revelation last night to a group of friends that I had emotion about? And no, that wasn't it. It was that uh, it's about me more deeply forgiving who I was that day 15 years ago. And that you might still have shame with right, that. I did just forgiving myself that I wouldn't do that today. I wouldn't drive again today in that moment. And uh, and just to really deeply forgive who I was. And I felt it lift. Like I felt me come back into myself. Good. And like a joyful The Lisa way. today. Yes. Who we are today, and I say this and live true, who we are today, we have never been before. And that's not who we are going to be tomorrow. So that's about being present. Yes. Who am I in this moment right now? And if there's shame... Ask yourself, why do I feel so shameful, Mm -hmm. you know, and process it and work with it so that you can bring yourself into the next present moment free of that shame. Absolutely. And I decided in that parking lot, I wanted to share this today for listeners to really make make it practical when a memory comes up of something you're still holding judgment towards yourself about a way to really just take some time with yourself to deeply forgive because then you're able, I feel like I healed something that happened 15 years ago in the deepest way. And it needs that. You know, I do say in both of the books, you know, the thoughts that come up, we don't want to push them away. Even if it's a thought of shame, we want to be able to work with it. You know, our thoughts are telling us something that's useful for us. So it's important to be able to process that and to work through it. Actually, I think I dovetailed a portion of your book about that too. The second thing, Wow, we're really in <laughs> alignment here. Well, this has to do with feeling. Your section on, section on emotions and your meditation for emotions, which I turn to, I do not need to hide or deny what I am feeling, and I can handle what I'm feeling. It, sound, it reminded me what you just said about our yeah, thoughts. Yeah, exactly right, and that I can handle this. Mm-hmm. Do you know, to bring ourselves to the moment of now and to really be understanding of what it, am I carrying over from the past, you know, that I'm allowing to come into the present and be mindful of not letting it ruin the present moment, which is a new moment for us. Do you know that we carry a lot in from the past that I say the past has come and gone. 
and the future is not here yet. But the moment that we have right now is the most real moment there is. So what do you want to bring to this moment? Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to bring a whole new Lisa, a whole new aura to this moment of now. That's yeah. the beauty of the present moment. It is. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Think about it. I mean, without getting too you know, out there for people. But I always say, if you think about the two time frames that don't exist, the past is the past. It's gone. And the future isn't here yet. And the most real moment is the moment that you and I are having right now. Yes. Because we're alive in this moment. This is real. Yes. Do you, do you know what I mean? And when you really grok that, when you really drop into it, I don't know about you, but I can feel this, this warmth and this acceptance that this is a beautiful moment. So why not show up for it in that way? What you're saying is is helpful and is reminding me of I've been wanting to really understand the passage in A Course in Miracles where it talks about the past is over. It can touch me not. And that always felt kind of like an abstraction, like, well, that would be nice to to feel because like you said, we're carrying around our our past and then also judging others for theirs, I think, if we're not being mindful and forgiving right. and compassionate. Right. And so it really when you've spoken about we're new in every moment like something about that resonates in my body is a yes and i've wanted to have a deeper understanding and experience of that in my own life right to really feel because it really is about what we are thinking right now yeah how do you feel right this like right now i feel alive i feel very uh stimulated very excited very grateful happy yeah yeah so that's the beauty it's like we know when we're not feeling that way and that's when we're stepping out of the moment and i think that when we're aligned to the truths of the universe this is what's real we're not carrying all this other noise and distractions and distortions into the moments that are so pure. Mm-hmm. Do you know, we don't want to waste these moments. They really deserve to be present with in the best, the best of ourselves, showing up in these moments, bringing the best of who we are in the moments. And I, when I feel so at peace in a moment, I know I'm aligned. Mm-hmm. I feel very aligned with the truths of the universe. Yes. So thinking about the classes, the retreats you offer with the 1440 Multiversity coming up, I'm thinking to ask you something about that now. Is this what the experience is like in case listeners are interested? What what are those weekends like? The weekends are great. I'm doing it for the second time with Dr. Ron yeah. Alexander, yes, who I know friend. you know, yeah, yeah. who's wonderful. And the, the course is Mind, Meditation, and Happiness. And it's really great because we cover so much in the weekend. You know, we a lot of meditations, a lot of somatic work. We do the release and replace work. Okay. We journal. We break up groups. Um, Jules will be doing some yoga. It's it's beautiful. You know, it's a beautiful weekend. It's nurturing. It's supportive. It supports the authentic self. It's practicing mindfulness in real time. And you're in Scotts Valley. And for anybody that hasn't been to Multiversity, it's absolutely gorgeous. You're surrounded by the most exquisite, majestic redwood trees. It's in Northern California. So it's beautiful. It's a gourmet vegan food. It's just a very beautiful wellness center. So I'm really looking forward to it. And also, I don't know if you know, I'm doing a workshop at Omega Institute in upstate New York in October. Yes, I don't think that you were aware of that. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to be doing that. And uh, that one is going to be on embracing uh, your authenticity. Beautiful. Nurturing, nurturing your nurturing. authenticity. Yeah. And embracing it. When you mentioned Jules incorporating yoga in the weekend retreats, can you speak to us about 
the the connection between our body and physical practices like yoga and mindfulness and I think the mind body connection is really the connection that we want to have. And so, you know, we have a tendency, we can get very much in our heads and we can get very disconnected and that the way to integrate, I'm a big believer in supporting and nurturing the mind body connection. Mm -hmm. So things like meditation, things like yoga and where mindfulness comes into play so beautifully, not just again on the yoga mat or the meditation pillow is doing things like mindfulness and walking, mindfulness and eating, you know, where you start to really bring mindfulness into all of our senses, which I went into at the mindfulness club at Soho House, where, you know, all your senses become alive. So we're going to cover a lot of that, the mind-body connection at the workshop as well. It's so important because I think sometimes people, like like you said, are using their bodies to disconnect versus connect at times, that we can be engaged in a physical practice, but not there, be it during sex or exercise absolutely like some of the most intimate moments yes and i we, mentioned that yeah, in the book yeah. and i say oh, you would th- like you wouldn't even believe how disconnected or out of the moment we are even when we're in intimate um encounters encounters or dynamics you know that we're really like again not here here you know we're going through the motions and we're not really present with another person and again, you know, I can't get into your head, you can get into mine, only we can be accountable to ourselves. How present am I with this person? Yes. Am I giving them my undivided attention? Am I really listening to what they're saying? Am I really dropping in with them physically? Mm-hmm. Do you know? And I do think we split off more often than not, you know, so a good thing to do is to be that honest, you know, honesty is key. And I talk about that in yes. in Live True that if let's just say you're in an act of intimacy, you know, whether you're you're having an intimate conversation with somebody, or you're in a physical act of intimacy, if you feel that you're not there, and you can't really get yourself back there, you might want to communicate that to somebody and say, you know what, I'm I got to tell you, I'm not really here. I'm not really present. Wow. I mean, what an act of honesty that is, is. right? It really is just to say, look, and then maybe somebody won't take it personally, because we feel the energy with each other. You can feel when you're not yourself not there hopefully but you can also feel it in somebody else when they're not really showing up Mm -hmm. they're not really with you Mm -hmm. do you know so you want to almost say like what you asked yourself at your house where am i yeah if i'm not here with this person am i not here because i really don't want to be and that's another important thing that mindfulness helps us do is that you might in your discovery of where am i if i'm not in this moment maybe you are holding feelings in a relationship that it's time to look at Mm -hmm. maybe you're not present because you might not want to be there and if you're not wanting to be there why do you not want to be there you know these are very important questions to ask ourselves rather than to act out on each other or to you know sabotage extreme or do crazy things today like ghosting you know i mean that's so insensitive so insensitive it really is Yes, I've had an experience like that, and it was, it was <laughs> disappointing and painful. I, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why do we need to go to such extreme measures when we can tell each other, hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here with you, yeah, and, here's, and here's why. Yeah. Here's why I don't, I'm, not, I'm not present. Do you know? I, I want us to be better communicators. I want us to live more authentically. I want us to practice honesty more and more. You know, we got to start that with ourselves, you know, and then we can take it outward to others. Yes. 
And I think with technology, that can be something to use to as a benefit, that we can communicate in so many more ways now that you can send a text or besides calling and you can email. Like we can use, I think, technology mindfully and authentically. Absolutely. If we really care about being in integrity, which right. is really important to me. Absolutely. Being in integrity. And- I couldn't agree with you more. And we do need to be mindful of the fact that even things can be lost in translation with text. Right. Yeah. Do you know, is that really being sensitive? You know, you can't get, that's why you don't want to text every type of communication Absolutely. that you have. Do you know, I'm a little concerned about the younger generation. It's like if they're not really communicating and conveying their feelings yeah. and relying so much on texting, how much, that's right, how text. much are you really losing in translation that isn't really being parlayed or message to one another? Do you know, we, we have to be really mindful of these things today. And more and more, if we're not careful, we're going to lose the humanness of and the integrity, I love that word as well, of our interactions with one another. Our relating, our relatedness. Totally. Absolutely. You know, that's why mindfulness again makes us more present and it makes us more aware so that we can remind ourselves, wow, you know, I have something in Live True called mindfulness repair. I don't know if you were going to cover that, but no, the reason the reason why I brought that up yeah. is because we can be very curt and short mm-hmm. and insensitive and hurry to get out of the house and might not say hello or goodbye to our partner or look them in the eye or, or you know, be rude to a child or to a lover or to a friend and then get on the freeway and go, boy, that was insensitive. That's catching it and going, you know what? I was insensitive. Okay, note to self, which I have all over live true. And I say mindfulness repair is really helpful because you can say to a friend or a family member or to a lover at another time, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I was really rushed this morning and I felt like I was insensitive to you or I wasn't really listening to what you were saying. I was like half, you know, making breakfast and half listening to you or maybe even tuning you out a little (laughs) Yes. Do you know? Yeah, and just acknowledging that, taking ownership of that helps it feels so good to be on the other end of that yeah because often it's like oh okay like got it no worries right and and somebody might say oh no worries at all i'm i'm good or maybe they didn't even pick up on it or they might be really appreciative that you took the time to go i'm sorry that i wasn't as i wasn't as sensitive to you as i could have been and that goes so far in building trust and just positive feelings of regard for one another and it also models that it's okay to make a mistake and then catch yourself and say, hey, that's right. I realize it. Yeah. And what that does is it makes us more mindful, thoughtful, compassionate human beings. Mm -hmm. And I think we really could use more of that. Yeah. Do you know? Yes. So that's something we need to work on. Or what else would you like to cover in our time we have to get? I do love the note to self portions of Live True. Thank you. They're, they're actually some of my favorite portions. Do you know, I've been asked about note to self and I say, because I've been asked a lot, that people have said, thank you so much for putting meditations at the back of every chapter yeah. and notes, note to self. And I, and I said, you know, even if you opened up the book randomly and you read a note to self, it's like an affirmation. It is. It's a positive message. And it's just like, for me, it's like the nugget mm-hmm. or the pearl from the chapter. Yes. It's like the takeaway. The takeaway. Yeah. Can mm-hmm. I read one? Yes, please. It just opened to, this is a note to self having to do with the chapter on the future having to do with the future i am here i am present there is no other time than now right which is i can see chanting that to yourself i am here i am now there is no other time than 
this present. Absolutely. That's a beautiful mantra and or chant because when the mind wanders, whether you're in meditation and the mind will always wander. That's just, you know, the Buddhist term is the monkey mind, the restless mind. You think of a monkey jumping from branch to branch to branch. So we have to bring our focus and awareness back to the present. So that's a great one to use. I'm here. I'm in the present. The only time is now. Do you know? And you start to continue to repeat that to yourself. You're going to help yourself be more present. And I think it's really helpful when how many times is there an event we're looking forward to, say on the weekend, and it's like, I can't wait to get there to that moment. And then it comes and it's almost like not even fulfilling because you've been because it's like, then what's next? And I think something like that mantra. That's good, Lisa, because I think, look, we have anticipation and we look forward to things and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having anticipation or to plan for things ahead. You just want to be mindful of how often are you, and I talk about that in the book too, those three terms, are you a future chaser? Mm. Are you a present experiencer? Or are you a past dweller? Wow. So I've been fed that a lot by people. They go, wow, you know what? I really realize I'm I'm a constant future chaser. I'm always like, next, next, what's going to happen next? That I don't drop into being present, you know, or it's the people that'll say to me, oh, I'm always trying to reinvent the past. Mm. I'm always lamenting. I'm always dwelling in what I should have could have, you know, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And like I said, we spend or it's the hardest time frame for us is to be a present experiencer. Let me just experience the present moment now and get the most out of it. Yes. And really be allowing the unfolding. I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks, who I love so much, that really talk also about being here, enjoying whatever desires we have, knowing they will actualize, they will happen for us, but just be happy on the path. Because unless we are, we won't get there. It's really about mindfulness and just enjoying, savoring every moment of our journey. And I do exactly right. And I say, what's the hurry? Why are we always in such a hurry? Like, what are we What are we in such a hurry to get to? And, you know, I talk about that and live true about not wasting the moments of our lives because we're never going to get those moments again. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be uh, you know, taking your last breath and realize how many precious moments you wasted mm-hmm. that you're never going to get back. Do you know? So I, I say, you know, preserve and conserve your moments, you know, really make them the best of what they can be. Don't waste them. Don't waste your moments so readily. You know, be wise in how you want to spend the moments of your life. Be intentional, I hear you say. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Or is there, we're at the end of our time. I feel like we could keep talking. Yes, yes. they always fly by, don't they? <laughs> you got a lot of notes there. I don't know. I think we've covered quite well, a lot just here. I've interviewed you quite a few times. So I brought everything knowing that the key is being in the moment. I've learned actually being my four year anniversary, the greatest lesson I've learned being a podcaster is no matter who I'm interviewing, if I'm nervous or not nervous, if it's about listening. Mm-hmm. And I have all these notes, but mm-hmm. it's really about being with the person. I use these notes so I can get it in my consciousness about yeah. my guest. Yeah. But then I just often don't look at them because I'm with the person, even when they're on the phone. Right. Because the moment is where the juicy information there is. There you go. That's so in the I moment. Knew, like, be prepared. Always be prepared. <laughs> Absolutely. And yet be in the moment with whoever you're with and That's just right. let it. And something else sometimes comes up yeah. or forward. You know, that's part of the extemporary. I'm very extemporaneous. Yeah. So I don't usually premeditate what I'm going to say. And But I think notes are good as a writer. You know, yes. it's good to have those those 
notes to, yeah. to refer to. But yeah, no, this is what it's about. It's about practicing being present, do you know, and I just really want people to get a taste of that and to know that they can start now they can literally start their day today by being more present. So what are the best ways that listeners can learn about your courses at Omega Institute 1440 Multiversity, your online thought coach certification, everything you offer, your books. My my website really is just chock full of everything that I'm doing. Yeah, orinadrich.com has pretty much everything, my articles, my schedule, videos. It's it's got a lot. It's beautiful. The meditations, Thanks. a podcast you did on addiction and mindfulness. I did. I did. I I love that podcast with which I did with Johnny who's a wonderful man. And it really went deep. It, yeah. We went deep. We took a deep dive into says who, the, the says who method for the addictive personality. Or just looking at addiction in a, in a way that is about the inquiry, mm-hmm. you know, about asking questions about what is that impulsivity or that compulsivity that we have that wants to reach for a drug and to escape to escape and to numb. connect to what the thought is presently. Yeah. Do you know, so we really explored it and there, those are available as well. We covered a lot of territory. Awesome. Thank you, Aura, for being my four-year anniversary guest. I love you so much. <laughs> oh, Lisa, love you too. And congratulations on your, what a milestone. Thank you, it is. Yes. And a book coming out, I an know. online course. I it's fant- like, wow. This is, it's a big wow. It's a big wow. <laughs> I felt that the other day, like, I've totally changed my life. There you go. And, and you're going to keep changing yeah. it and changing, and that's the beauty. Yeah, let's see where, where everything goes. Keep on evolving. Keep on being more present and aware and creative. Absolutely. Right. Yes. All right. Or a thank you. Thank you. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.